All right, back into the series. Um, I want to build on what I talked about last week, and I'm actually going to ditch half of what I was going to share this morning. I'm going to put it on um, next week in terms of just what I feel like the Lord's doing. Um, so last week we looked at, if you weren't here, I'm going to give you a super quick recap. Um, that We were looking at, okay, we recognise there's this biblical call to be faithful, to be generous, to be obedient, and you know, I'm sure most of us would be like, yeah, I, w- I want to be that. I want to be that kind of person. But the reality is... Um, Actually, it's not that easy. So we looked at what is it that stops us from becoming faithful and therefore from becoming fruitful in our finances. Um, and so we looked at actually this, you know, the sort of primary issue of us settling. You know, Jesus said, listen, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Um, and so we looked at actually that needs to be settled. You know, actually I'm serving God. And that, you know, the reality is that if that isn't... Um, the, you know, the way we're kind of doing finances often shows up in our thinking or even you know, practically in either sort of poverty-minded thinking and behaviour or pride-filled behaviour and thinking. And so I'm going to... We went through um, this table last week we have, for time. We're not going to be able to do that again. Um, but you can take a picture of it if you want and have a look at it. Essentially, these t- two columns on the left, you know, poverty and pride, I think those are things, those are marks that show up um, actually if we're not fully settled on serving God, right? So they're both ways we serve money. You know, the poverty-minded is I'm serving money in order to somehow avoid lack. Um, But that pride-filled thinking and behaviour is actually, you know, I'm serving money because I want to get more. I want to hold on to what I have got. So while poverty on the one hand says I can't afford to be generous because I haven't got enough, you know, pride simply says I don't want to be generous because I want what I've got, it's mine. Um, Neither of those things our healthy, mature sonship. And that is our goal, right? Not just in our finances, but in everything. This question of who are we becoming? Mature sons and daughters. That's the goal. Um, and so actually landing in that right-hand side, in that um, column of prosperity, which is not a bad word in the church. Like I know it's been you know, poorly communicated and maybe you know, unhelpfully emphasised and the teaching has not been great, but it absolutely is is a biblical goal. And actually for me, you know, prosperity is actually what mature sonship looks like. Um, so that actually we're able to both freely receive, which some of us aren't good at, without feeling guilty, without feeling embarrassed, without feeling, you know, I shouldn't have. But equally, I'm also freely able to give. That's what prosperity looks like. Um, and that's where I'm healthy and I'm whole. Um, and that's what we want to get to, okay? So, and even if you just look at that table, you look at those, um, those three columns, like that right-hand side looks like a way nicer place to live, right? I'm sure most of us would be like, yeah, I want to be there. I don't want to be stuck in poverty. I don't want to be pride-filled. I want to be there. Um, and this is what I want to look at, look at over the next couple of weeks. Um, actually, that this is what I feel like we wants to do. He wants to set us free in order to be faithful, in order to be fruitful. So there's this reality we looked at last week of where do we get stuck, what stops us, and being, you know, taking an honest look at ourselves and saying, actually, do you know what? Some of those characteristics in that poverty column, some of those characteristics in that pride-filled column, oh, that sounds a little bit like me. That, look, that looks a little bit like me. And it's like, actually, how do I move from that? How do I get from there into that mature column of prosperity? And it's a biblical, a very val- valid biblical thing to be going after. John was praying it for the early church in 3 John 1, 2. The Amplified Version says this, Beloved, I pray in every way you may succeed and prosper. And be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Actually, he was praying that they would prosper in every way, not limited and exclusively financially, 
but definitely not excluding that either. And that's the two ditches we go into. You know, biblical prosperity is nothing to do with money, or biblical prosperity is everything to do with money. The truth is it's not. Okay? It's in the middle. Are we all right with that? Prosperity is okay. That is a goal um, for us as maturity. So if we recognize, all of us, I'm sure, some areas where like some of those poverty or pride-filled ways of thinking or feeling or behaving about money is it's kind of where we are, um, how do we get free? That's what I want to look at over the next couple of weeks. And so I think in that journey, I think there are two questions that we need to be asking ourselves. Firstly, who am I? And secondly, what am I doing? Um, the first question is the one we need to answer first. And actually, that's what I want to really focus in on this morning. Um, who am I? Um, and I've kind of, I've mentioned it over, you know, in a couple of other weeks. But actually, I am convinced that identity is absolutely key for you and I um, prospering and succeeding in every way, including our finances. I do not think we are going to be healthy and being and faithful and fruitful in our finances and with our possessions and the things that God gives us if we are not sure and more sure, and then sure again of who we are. So that right-hand column, I think, you know, that prosperity, um, I think those are characteristics. Those are things, I believe, that mark out mature sons and daughters. And that's what we should be aiming towards. Because I think this, listen, if I really know who I am in the Lord, if I really knew the price that he paid for me, which is what determines my value, if I really knew his absolute faithfulness to provide, his absolute generosity towards me, then I wouldn't be anxious for anything. Actually, I wouldn't feel guilty or awkward about being blessed. Uh, neither would I feel, you know, horrendous shame and hopelessness if actually at points I'm struggling. You know, I wouldn't let money or possessions kind of consume me or dictate me. I wouldn't find it difficult to be generous and actually to be extravagant in my giving. Um, you know, I wouldn't feel like tithing is some you know, hideously impossible, awful burden that just sits on me. If I, if I really know who I am in the light of who he is, I think those things change. You know, and sometimes in our discipleship, we're so focused on trying to you know, change those things, but actually there's a fundamental need for our identity to be settled. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. Um, you know, and we honestly, we talk about that a lot at church, and I in no way apologize for that, and in no way are we going to stop doing that. Um, you know, we actually, you know, because our identity is as sons and daughters and, you know, the way God reveals himself to us is as father. You know, the Bible has lots of names for God, but, you know, I believe when you read the New Testament, this new covenant we're in, um, actually we understand this, that Jesus reveals and makes a way to the father, right? That's the goal. And so actually in this, honestly, is our theology about this actually really matters, not just so we've got sort of things lined up cerebrally, but Actually, what I believe in my theology about myself and God as Father actually massively impacts how I behave, how I think, how I feel, how I relate. And so this stuff matters. And it's absolutely there in the Bible. Okay? You know, we don't just talk about it a lot here because it's kind of the particular thing we like. It's the good news. John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way is Jesus, but the destination is a father. You know, we don't stop. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. We understand there's a destination, actually, that we're coming to a father. Through Jesus as the only way, but it is to a father. And Paul really unpacks this in Galatians 3 and 4. I'm going to read a few verses from Galatians 4. Start at verse 4. It says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law 
that we might receive adoption to sonship. You know, that in two verses, Paul's brilliant at it. In all his letters, he kind of just gives these snippets where he, in a couple of sentences, summarizes the good news. Is what he's doing again here. That's the full good news. Listen, I'm convinced sometimes, you know, not actually when we're reading it, but honestly, you know, theologically and maybe experientially, we stop halfway through verse five. You know, we understand that the time, set time has come. God sent his son to redeem those under the law. And we stop there. You know, we understand that, yes, I'm redeemed and I'm rescued from something. But what I don't move into is understanding it was unto something. He redeemed those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So this side of the cross where you and I, you know, if you have given your life to Jesus, this side of the cross, we are sons and daughters. We are heirs with an inheritance, not just rescued and redeemed sinners from under death and sin in the law, although that would, is wonderful and glorious and will be you know, enough for us to be thankful and for the rest of our days. But the thing is, that isn't, that isn't where God stopped. And the, the thing I want to stress is that you know, this is not just, uh, it's not just the kind of flavour of the month in the church. It's not just you know, our particular leaning. And it, you know, it isn't just for some you know, particularly touchy-feely, emotionally inclined Christians. Actually... It absolutely, adoption, you know, that understanding of adoption is absolutely orthodox biblical theology and doctrine. It is. It's what it says in the Bible. J.I. Packer, if you want like a solid biblical teacher, he says this, sanctification, justification even, you know, being saved from our sins, justification is the foundational blessing of the gospel. But adoption is the highest blessing of the gospel. We can't have adoption without justification which is the forgiveness of sins absolutely but that's not the full gospel the full good news is we're redeemed from under the law that we might receive adoption as sons and listen ladies when the bible talks about sons we please know it the context is it's a it was a patriarchal society where actually only sons inherited but we understand now in the new covenant there's now no difference between male and female jew gentile slave and free and so it, sonship is not just for men, okay? So just thought I'd make that point. But listen, it's not just a theory. Let's carry on in this Galatians verse, verse six. So we understand that we've been set free, redeemed from under the law, that we would receive adoption. And then he goes on. And because you are his sons, because that has happened, because God has sent his son, because we are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Listen, it's not just theory. We cannot just settle for good theology without actually that work of the Spirit in us, that actually because I am his daughter, God sends his Spirit, and so I am able to say, Abba, Father. It's a personal response I make out of an impersonal encounter, the work of the Spirit in me, that we can say, Abba, Father, and for so many of us, we think it's for, you know, it's, it's for others. We know God is a theoretical father, not my father. Actually, for us to personally say, my dad, feels like really disconnected. But actually, God's got more for us. And so if, you know, like Paul's saying here, because you are his sons, okay, that, that really is an established fact. So if we are his kids, the journey of a disciple is, is growing up. Right? It's maturing to be more like Jesus. And one of the marks of maturity, I think, um, as sons and daughters, is that actually um, 
we're rescued from death, we're free from under the law, we're free from sin, but we're also free from fear. So Romans 8 is a really important passage. Of course, you know it's my favourite in the whole Bible, but it's a really important passage for us understanding this idea of actually us being sons and daughters and what does that look like. Um, One of the things Paul says in that chapter is that actually you didn't receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear. Rather, you receive the spirit of adoption by which we cry out. Okay, so there's this... There's almost like a direct conflict between this spirit of adoption and this ability for us to know God and relate to him as father. And actually, the flip side of that and what the enemy would love to kind of land us in is actually slavery to fear. Okay? One of the things I'm convinced should mark us out as God's kids is actually we are increasingly free from fear. Now, that doesn't mean we never feel fearful, um, but it's actually that I'm not a slave to it. Um, And so I think one of the marks of maturity is we're walking out of that. And please, I said this in the first service. I want to say again, I want to be really clear. I'm not making a connection between if you, you know, at any times feel anxious or, or actually are struggling with anxiety. I, I'm not saying that you are immature. What I'm saying is the journey of maturity that we are all on is increasingly out of fear into love. Okay? Same with our finances as any other area. Okay? 1 John 4, really, really important passage. We're understanding this maturity journey that actually is out of fear into love. Um, I'd encourage you, kind of second half of 1 John 4, but I'm just going to read one verse to you, um, verse 18. And, and we, know this, like, we know this verse really well. I'm sure a lot of you could, kind of, you could just tell me. It says this, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been made perfect in love. Okay, let's stop there. So, Fear and love can't coexist, but love wins every time, right? God's perfect love casts out our fear. That's the journey. But what John is saying here is, listen, whoever fears has not been made perfect in love or not been perfected in love. Now, that Greek word for perfected is the exact same word um, that we read in other places where Paul talks about his goal for the church is for them to be made mature, okay? So 1 Colossians 28 says, you know, to this end I strive that, um, to present everyone perfect in Christ or everyone mature in Christ. It's the same word. And again, in Ephesians 4, he talks about these gifts that God gives to the church that we'd be built up and brought to the fullness, made mature even to the fullness of Christ, right? Those, that's the goal is maturity. It's the same word that John uses here. Actually, that if, we are, if there is fear... Actually, it's showing we're not yet made perfect. We're not yet fully mature. And the maturity process is in the context of love. Happy? Make sense? Okay. So fear shows me I'm not yet made perfect. And I'm okay with that to one level because I know I'm in a process and I know I'm in a journey and that's okay. But listen, any area where fear pops up associated with our finances, which I think is massively common. So much fear and anxiety often tied up with finances. Actually, it shows, Sarah, right now, you're not as mature as you need to be. And I need to reconnect with love because that's how I become mature. Yeah? You know, we talked last week, actually, you know, a lot of those poverty ways of thinking, those prideful kind of muddles that we get into, underneath those, often I honestly think the root of those things is actually fear-based. It's not that I feel anxious or fearful necessarily but actually you know underneath you know my you know resistance to giving generously in fact I you know find it so difficult to be generous underneath that you know, is it possible that actually because I've got a fear if I give then I'm going to miss out 
actually my, you know, my you know, difficulty in tithing is because I don't know, I'm, I'm fearful that God actually won't provide. I don't really know that. I'm kind of fearful he won't. And therefore, I get stuck in it. Actually, we get you know, fear that actually I'm in some way inadequate or you know, unsuccessful if I don't have A, B, and C, if I'm not a homeowner by the time I'm 21. Like, there's this fear underneath it. You know, fear of what other people think. If you're blessed with a lot, if you're actually right now trusted with only a little, there's fear over what would other people think? What does that say about me? Actually, it's fear that sits under a lot of those things. Actually, a fear of, you know, well, if you know, God, God blesses James and Helen, well, then he's given his quota and there's nothing left for Phil and I. That's not it. And when you say these, often I think, we say these things out loud and you realise, that's crazy. Like, that's not God. But actually, honestly, underneath a lot of our struggles with being generous, you know, getting out of poverty, getting out of pride and greed, is actually there's a fear issue still. Is Actually, is God really who he says he is? Am I really who he says he is? Is he really going to do what he says he's going to do? I'm not quite sure. I'm fearful that he maybe isn't. Um, And so it's, again, those things, when any of that stuff pops up, these fear-based reactions, absolutely not for us to be ashamed of, absolutely not for us to be condemned by because there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus, absolutely not for us to be intimidated by, but really not for us to settle for. You know, well, that's just how I am, that's how, you know, that's how I was brought up, that's how my mum and dad were with money. And like, no, like, it's not that. It's for us to say, okay, I recognise that, an area of immaturity God I need more love how do I apply the perfect love of God to cast out that bit of fear in order to be set free to be faithful and be fruitful in the area of my finances yeah that's the journey actually how do we do that how do I apply this perfect love of God to that how do I become mature in that area and often I think that in those things it's the question is already do I actually am I really sure of who I am Actually, do I need to be more sure of who God says I am? Or actually, is it that I, you know, I need to make a real shift in my thinking and my behaviour so that actually it lines up with my new identity? And that's what I really want to look at next week. Actually, what am I doing? And how, what's the process of, of getting out of those things? But I really feel this morning, um, I want to make some time and some space to actually for us to meet God and to actually that that knowing that we're adopted to become real for us. Because listen, here's the thing. I cannot teach you into that position. I cannot say anything that is going to convince you of that. That is entirely the Holy Spirit's job. That's what Paul says in Galatians 4, actually, that because your sons, he sends his spirit in order that we can then make this Abba cry. I can't do that. There's another beautiful verse. And again, 1 John 4, I want to read... um, one last verse it's actually in the amplified version um, and it says that and put that slide up thank you this is the amplified version okay listen to this the more traditional versions say we have come to know and believe the love that god has for us it's quite a short verse the amplified version kind of unpacks that and, and squeezes all of the meaning out of the original language it says this we have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep consistent faith the love that god has for us God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. Right, that's the goal, abiding in love. But there's two things there that John says, we've come to know and we've come to believe, okay? I don't know about you, but I'm really aware. I can do something about the believing part. Actually, do you know what? I can choose to live with deep, consistent faith, and I should, and I do, and I want to keep doing that. I want to, yes, we should, 
We should choose to believe in God's love. Yeah, with deep, consistent faith. That bit I'm well aware. You know what? I can do something about that. The other part, to come to know by personal observation and experience the love God has for me, I actually can't do anything about that. I've had this realisation over the last couple of years. I, that bit I can't do anything about. I can position myself before God and say, God, I want to know. Come and show me. And, and I feel like this is what the invitation is this morning. Actually, that we would come before God and say, God... I want to know the love you have for me. I choose to believe, but because I've come to know. And sometimes we settle for one or another and we, you know, we somehow think that it's up, you know, we need to persuade that. Listen, the Bible makes it so clear that actually the you know, work of the Holy Spirit in us is to convince us of that. So again, in Romans 8, it says, the Passion Translation is beautiful. It says, the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. And I'm convinced for so many of us, it's, it's a theory that we know. It's a song that we sing. You know, we sing the health of the song, don't we? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I think it was Christian Song of the Year two, three years ago, wasn't it? And it's a beautiful anointed song, and it's tapping into actually something God is waking his church up to. But listen, that song, it was written by them. It's their song, but it has to become my song. Not just kind of words that I say, but it's actually, a, you know, it's the reality that I have. And I feel like Holy Spirit this morning wants to come and convince us of that again. One of the things that God really kind of highlighted to me, again, in this process over the last couple of years, is that, you know, where Paul says in Romans 8, you know, I am convinced that there's, you know, neither height nor depth, nor life nor death, nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God. I genuinely felt like God said to me one day, Sarah, you try and convince yourself that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. He said, that's my job. And think about it, you know, how crazy would it be for Phil and I to put on Luke and Abby that they needed to convince themselves that we loved them? No, that is my job. Like, that's the most important job I have on this planet, to convince my children that I love them. Not just when they were little. You know, I didn't just hold them when they were first born and say, I love you, and that will do for the rest of their days. I need to tell them every day. I need to show them. I need to communicate in a way that they can understand and receive that they're loved. I convince them, not the other way around. I feel like that's what Holy Spirit wants to do this morning, actually to convince some of us for the first time, some of us again because we settled, well, I knew it 10 years ago. Don't settle for that. There's more. And any change in behaviour, any moving into faithfulness and fruitfulness that we're believing for, yes, I believe by deep, consistent faith, I choose. But it's God, I choose to believe because I've come to know, because you've shown me. That's personal response out of personal encounter. And so I want to make some time and some space. Um, and again, when, I was, when we were preparing this series, I had completely not clocked that it was Father's Day. Absolutely not in any way did I figure that this was what we were going to be speaking out on Father's Day. But here we are, and why not? I want us to have this identity set so that actually what God trusts us with, even importantly, now this whole building thing has come out of the blue for us this week. You know, email on Wednesday, offer on Thursday, like out of the blue. But if God is about to trust us with this promised building, we want to be faithful with that, right? The most intentional thing we can do as a start in that journey is have our identity absolutely set so we know who we are, so we then are faithful with what He gives us. Make sense? All righty. Listen, I want to do.